0: Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our
1: community. There's nothing better than hearing the people of God, the family of God, declaring that there's there's nothing better than knowing Jesus. Father, today we say thank you Thank you that we get to be part of the family of God together and together proclaim that there is nothing better than knowing you. Lord, to see children in this room, to see teenagers in this room, to see young adults, to see those who have lived a huge portion of their lives already all together saying there is nothing better than you. Lord, for that we say thank you. That's a work of your grace. That's a work of your spirit among us. And because, Lord, there's nothing better than you, we get the opportunity, Lord, to come and and to know you more deeply uh, through your word. And so, Lord, this day as, as we come to your word, as people do this here in this community and throughout this world, Lord, would you glorify the name of Jesus? in doing so Lord would you magnify his name into the hearts of your people would you draw people to you for the first time today that your body Lord Jesus might be built up in love because we know that in standing with you we can face all that you have all all that's before us in this life so Lord as we look at your word Would you make it alive in our hearts this morning? Would you give encouragement and hope to your people as we gather together? And Lord, if there's someone sitting in here in this room right now that does not know you, Lord, for the first time today, would you show them that there is nothing better than knowing you and walking with you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. My name is Tim Barton, and I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at The Vine. And I want to ask a question. How many of you in this room, it's always hard when you start that way, right? Um, How many of you in this room like to feel unprepared? (laughs) I I actually got one this service. All right, there might be one, but in general, We don't like that feeling of being unprepared. Like, like kids, if, you're, um, if you have a, a test coming up or, or you walk in and you sit down at your desk and your teacher puts this test or this assignment on your desk and you look at it and you think, number one, okay, yeah, I, I got, well, first of all, I got my name. I got that part. Number one, I, okay, I, I kind of got the answer to that. You get to number two and you're like, I, I, I don't know the answer to this question. And then you get to number three and you're like, mm, did I study the wrong thing? And then number four, maybe I should have studied more. We, we don't like that feeling of being unprepared. And we talk about that with a test, uh, but the reality is, is it doesn't get any easier the, the older you get. Um, those, the others around this room will tell you that as, as you get older, when you come to something and you feel unprepared for that job or for that, that situation, that circumstance, it just leaves you this... Like, it's this uneasy feeling that we have. But what if I were to tell you, what if I were to tell you that you can be prepared for everything in this life? Now, I acknowledge that's a little bit of a play on words. You'll see what I mean. But you can be prepared for everything in this life. Are you interested? I hope so. Because when I say that, I, I do want to make the caveat that that does not mean that you can be prepared, that, that you can avoid every, or, or, or fix every circumstance or avoid feeling pain in this life. That does not mean that, that you're going to be able to control every circumstance. That does not even mean that, that you're going to be able to necessarily mitigate risk all the time. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to always keep your comfort or your security. But what it, when, I, when I say that you can be prepared for everything in this life, what it does mean is that you can face this life knowing that there is someone greater than you who is standing with you to enable you to face all that comes. We're in the third week of our series, Prepare His People. And, and we, your pastors, um, who, by the way, are, are, we ourselves have to continually continue to be prepared. It's not like, hey, we've gotten there, and so now we prepare you. Uh, we also are continually to be prepared. You'll understand that a little more as we go. Um, but we're called to prepare you to know Jesus through his word. We're called to prepare you to study, to know, and apply the word of God to your hearts. And the tool we're using to teach you is something that we're calling comma. Now, here's, here's why we're calling it that. All right, one, it's a good um, uh, um, acronym that we can go through in a minute. But, but part of why we're calling it that, or the reason we're calling it that, is because we need to take a pause and acknowledge that there are all sorts of influences in this world around us that are affecting us. Subtly often, we don't even realize it sometimes, that are affecting the way we think, that are affecting the way we go about life, all these sorts of influences that are affecting us. And we need to pause and say, wait, what does the Word of God say? We need to pause and say, I need to be prepared to know Jesus through His Word. Comma stands for, so so in order to do this, in order to study God's word, there's all sorts of tools out there, but but it stands for this. The C stands for context. That's when we come to study the word of God, we need to know the context. That's the the biblical context, what's around it, and then the historical and cultural context as well. We also want to do observation, observe what's going on in the text, and then meaning. So we take the context, we take the observations that we have, and then we come to the meaning. And then this can be the part we forget sometimes because then there's the motive of the heart. What is it that is making us, when God is showing us something in his word, what is it that's making me say, eh, I, don't, I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to follow what God says there. Oh, I don't like that line of thinking. What's going on in our hearts that's keeping us from believing what God says is good for us? And then there's um, application. Application. What are we asking, how, how, as we've looked at this passage, are we saying, God, please change me to be more in line with, with what you say is my purpose um, in this life? Now, when I lay that out, you know, some of you here today, or maybe even watching online, uh, you may ask, why does, studying to, why does preparing to study this antiquated or really old out-of-date book actually matter? Well, first, let me say this. Yeah, the Bible's old, but there's nothing out of date about it. In fact, it's more relevant than any other book, any other blog, any other post, any more other line of thinking that you can, you can find today. And it's that way because God has said that, that when we come to his word, the Holy Spirit will continue through his word to teach his people. And then in addition to that today, or, or added, uh, again, in addition, our passage is going to show us today why all that really, why that matters and why that matters deeply um, for us. And so our verses today, we've been in Ephesians chapter 4. Our verses are verses 14 through 16, but I'm going to pick up reading in verse 11 to give you a little context of what's going on. And so I remind you that this is God's word. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And now we pick up our passage for this morning, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. So let's look at the context for a minute the context is the first first um, letter in the, the comma and so as a reminder of the context the letter this letter was written by Paul the Apostle Paul we know that because it says that in chapter one verse one and it says that in chapter three verse one and it says that he's a prisoner it's around sixty to 62 AD. he's a prisoner in Rome and it was written to the um, to the church in the city of Ephesus now Paul's just told them, starting in verses 1 through 10, and then again in verses 11 through 13, Paul's given them this context, and they're saying, Paul, we're living in this culture. We're living in this culture that's telling us all these other lies, and we'll see those in a little bit. And Paul Paul comes back to them and says, yeah, I understand there's all these other ways that people are telling you to walk, so to speak, but let me remind you what you're called to. Verses 1 through 10, he says, Walk in the way the Lord has called you with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he says, We do this because there's one hope. Yeah, I know that people are claiming there's others, but there's one hope. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one God and Father over all. And he tells them, Jesus is already declared victorious. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin. He is victorious. And that Jesus, through his work, gives grace and gifts uh, to all. And then verse 11 through 13, he talks about the leadership gifts. And he gave leadership gifts to equip or prepare the people for works of ministry. Because that builds up the body of Christ until we all attain unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Now, that was described last week by, Le- by John, um, our lead pastor. That was described as... He looked at how that described mature manhood. And it was described as having the fullness of Christ. So now let me summarize all that. We prepare you so that you will know Jesus through his word. And grow into mature manhood. Having the fullness of Christ. That affects all our life. And so that's the biblical context of what's going on in the backdrop of what's going on in the culture. So let me give you just a little bit more of that. Ephesus was a major city in a large and prosperous region. Um, It was a port city that linked Rome and the east. And as a result, it was a melting pot of nations and ethnic groups. And so it was extremely important from a political perspective, an educational perspective, a commercial perspective. Um, it, It was also the center for excessive entertainment with, it had massive open-air theaters It would hold 25,000 people. Now, I know today that's not that big, but then that was massive. And it also um, was, was known for excessive, unfiltered, and open physical passions and lust in the, in the community. So for the Christians in Ephesus, there were a lot of things that were competing for their hearts. Entertainment bodily passions, a mix of religions, subtle false teaching that combined Christian teaching with the culture to find something that suited them, blatant false teaching, blatant false teaching that that all of Christianity was fake or wrong. I say that, and, and all of that should sound pretty familiar to us. But when we think of that, some of us think, yeah, that's what goes on in Las Vegas. Here's the reality. It's right here at home. It's every time we open our computers. And I'm not just talking about the blatant things. I'm talking about it's every time we look on social media and we get the way we think through other people's writings, other people's thoughts, all these other subtle things that creep in that claim to know more about life than what God's word tells us. So, as Paul was telling the Ephesians, so we're saying we we prepare you so that you will know Jesus through his word. And then we see why. We do that because, first, Jesus will enable you to face this life. Look at verse 14. It starts with so that. That's where the O and the the comma comes in. We we observe what's going on. So that's a transitional word. And so when we see that, we were like, okay, so that what? Or why why are we saying so that? Paul's saying, pay attention. All I said before, the the preparation is so that you will no longer be children. What does it look like to be children in the faith? I want to pause on that a moment and say, that's not the same thing that Jesus is talking about in Mark and Luke. In Mark and Luke, Jesus says to come with childlike faith. And we often get that confused. You know, childlike faith is a laser focus on God. It's a laser focus on his love, and it's not yet marred and distracted by all the things of this world. What, he's, what, he's, what Paul's describing here is different. It's being childish in the faith, being immature in the faith. So you could say it this way. Jesus calls us to be childlike, not childish. When we are childish, when we are immature, this is what can happen to us. Look at verse 14. We can be tossed to and fro by waves and carried by winds of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So let's look at, look at the meaning here and break down some of these phrases. Winds of doctrine. This is, the, this, is, this is not necessarily just a blatant false teaching. It is that, but it's more than that because it's the thought of, of the present day that trickles into the lives of those who may have never even really studied a thought. So it's not just the blatant teaching of a, of a false false teaching, false thought. It's, it's the way that trickles down into our lives. Let me give you an example of that because that may still be kind of out there. One example of that would be uh, like relativism. It says that, What is good for me does not have to be what is good for you. Only I can say what is good for me. Have you ever heard that? Ever kind of seen that thought creeping in? Well, let me tell you, it creeps in the church too. Why is that a problem? When that begins to creep into the church, now we're saying there is an authority other than God and what he says in his word, that authority is often me. Not me, but, you know. <laughs> Let me give you another example. The, the next thing he talks about is human cunning. Now, the word for cunning here is the same word that's used in Scripture for, um, for dice. And it was used in Scripture as a metaphor to describe the deception of men Because dice players, who in this culture were often sailors, by the way, um, these these dice players um, often cheated their fellow players. And so it was this idea of a deception to win or to get ahead, to promote what I want. And then there's the word craftiness. That word's the exact same word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 3, to describe how Satan deceived Eve. Then you have the deceitful schemes. So this is the deliberate plan in the way Satan is using winds of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness. It's this deliberate plan in the way he's using those things to suggest that there's a better truth than what God's word teaches. There's a better way than coming through the work and power of Jesus. It's as if to say, no, there's a better approach. An approach where You can be God. Does that sound familiar? We talk about it it around here pretty often. How did Satan tempt Adam and Eve? What was the temptation that got them? You can be like God. When we are immature in the faith, we are tossed to and fro by that lie. So let me restate that now, verse 14, and restate it with what we've just learned. Saying, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the relativism that says I can decide what is good for me, nor by the deception of Satan that says it's okay to do what I need to do to get ahead, nor by the lie that I can be God over my life. He's describing immaturity in the faith. And then he uses two analogies to demonstrate what happens to immature believers. To those who have not been prepared to know Jesus through his word. Prepared to have Jesus help them face this life. And I do want to say this as I go to these examples. Sometimes when we start talking about immature believers, um, we, we think that those are the people that have just become Christians. But I want to say this as well, is that if we don't understand um, as we're growing in Christianity, that we need Jesus every day to enable us to face this life, then we're immature. And here's what happens. He says, we'll be tossed to and fro by the waves. What are the waves? Well, I don't know if you've ever been on a ship when the, when the ocean is choppy. Um, I won't ever do it again, I don't think. Um, it's, it's no fun. Um, but Paul here is, is you remember, he's been in a shipwreck. All right. he gets what he's saying when he says "tossed to and fro by the waves," um, as a, as a ship. And then he talks about carried about by the winds of doctrine. I, I, all I can think of when I think about this is, um, you know, if, if you're out in, on a fall day and you're trying to blow leaves, um, you know, you're trying to blow up leaves, and then the wind picks up and the leaves are kind of blowing all sorts of directions, and you're trying to blow them. It's really frustrating. Uh, but but that's the picture. It's this this just tossed all around, no real direction, no 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 guidance. A couple of years ago, um, my son, um, Nathan, who, is, um, who was five years old at the time, and uh, we, we stood at the beach, and as we stood on the, on the sand, we were playing a game, you know the game, right, right at the edge of the water, let's see who can stand here and not let the waves knock us over. All right, so as we're standing there and we're playing this game, the water's coming in. I'm in water, you know, up to just above my ankles or a little bit maybe closer to my knees. Well, Nathan then, therefore, is, you know, it's up to his waist or I don't remember exactly. But we're standing there. The waves are coming in. And for Nathan standing there, the waves are hitting him. And you know what happens as the waves hit you, you know, you're tossing. Then what happens to the sand under your feet? It's going back out, right? It's, it's coming back out, so it's, it's very unstable, If I had not been there holding Nathan's hand, what would have happened? He would have fallen. He needed me holding his hand. We prepare you to know Jesus through God's word so that you will know that Jesus is there to hold your hand to enable you to face this life. He will enable you to to stand firm and face the waves and the winds, the waves and the winds of of the lies that we don't need him, the waves and winds of the false teaching and deceitful schemes, both blatant and subtle, the waves and winds of the things that just hit us so unexpectedly, that we're so unprepared for. He enables us to believe him, to trust him, that he will hold our hand in the face of the storm. If you try to stand on your own, sand's going to move out from under your feet, too. The waves are going to batter you, too. They will knock you down. But as you know Jesus through his word, as you ask him to change your life more and more to what he says is good for you, he will enable you to face all that comes in this life. This is why we want to prepare you to know Jesus through his word. Um, you may have noticed that our middle school and high school students, um, that, that the ministry logo has changed. Well, that's not just a change because we want it to be prettier or we want it to fit in with the theme of the vine. All right. It, the, the name is changed to rooted. We want that to be changed to rooted because there's nothing better For our students, our middle schoolers or high schoolers, there's nothing better for the children of this church than to understand that knowing Jesus through his word. Because everything else they can rely on in this life may let them down. Jesus won't. His word tells us that Jesus will strengthen his people and enable us to face the false thoughts, the false doctrines. We're preparing you so that you may know Jesus more and more and face, be able to face this life. The second reason this is important, to know Jesus more through his word, is that Jesus has a purpose for you in this life. We see this in verses 15 and 16. But Verse 15 starts with, rather... Again, we observe rather, rather than what, right? We need to ask that question, rather than what? Well, rather than continuing to stay where we are personally as children in the faith, childish in the faith, and rather than allowing others in the body of Christ to stay as they are as children in the faith or childish in the faith, rather than that, he says, speaking the truth in love. Now, speaking the truth in love in English, you don't fully get this here um, because, the truth is a participle and love's the noun. And so, what, what, what Paul's demonstrating here is that we cannot be content to stay where we are or allow others to stay where they are. We need to be truthing each other with love. We need to be truthing one another um, with love. It's because of the love we have for each other, then, that we don't let one another stay where we are tossed to and fro. It's because of the love we have for you that we cannot let you be tossed to and fro without speaking the truth. It's because of the love for our church family that we pursue this together. Because here's what we see in this passage. There's an emphasis here that Jesus is going to work on us individually, yes, but, but that is not going to be done In isolation. Look at who's involved in the growth. It says, We all. So, verse 15 says, We grow up in every way into Him the Head, into Christ. Verse 16 says, From whom the whole body joined by every joint. And then, on on further in verse 16, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. There's parts because there's a whole. Right. And then verse 16, and that makes the body grow so that the body, so that it, the body builds itself up in love. Jesus has a purpose for us in this life. And here's that purpose. Here's the overarching purpose. So often we get so caught up on what is my purpose for today? What is the little thing that I need? You know, what, or not little thing, but what's the thing I need to focus on? There is an overarching purpose that is the same for every single one of us. And none of those other purposes really matter if we don't get this. It is that we build up the body in love. Let me try to say it a different way. Because Jesus rose from the dead, saved us from our sin, and called us the children of God, because Jesus defeated the power of sin in us, because Jesus gave, us, gave gifts to his people, because the Holy Spirit continues to grow us in truth and love, the maturity or, or the growth in love growing up into Jesus that we experience individually is not and cannot ever be considered to be meant only for ourselves. It's for the whole body. It's for the whole community. So much so that my personal growth, insert your name for my, and insert my name for my, my personal growth is not my first agenda when I come to church. My first agenda in being part of the church community, the church family, is the well-being of the whole body. When we say we want everyone at the vine to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit in our community, it's not that we want every individual to be better so that the whole will flourish. That's man-made growth. This is different than that. It It requires a change of heart. A change that comes only in the gospel. Only in acknowledging that we can't do this on our own. It's a change that says, because of what Jesus has done, because of Jesus' power and work within me, I'm going to do something unnatural. I'm going to be focused on the growth of the whole. I'm going to be focused on the body of Christ growing itself up in love because that is best for every member. Kids, can you help me with something for a minute? And all of you can be kids if you want to be. Uh, imagine that you were a hand, all right? Hold your hand up for me. If you're, here you go. If you're nervous about it, you can hold it lower, but hold your hand up for me for a minute, kids. Imagine that you're a hand, right? Okay. And you say, I'm going to be the best hand that I can be. I, I am going to make my, I'm going to be clean, I'm gonna exercise and be strong so that I can pick up what I want to. I'm gonna grab the things that I wanna eat. Wait a minute. What are you gonna feed? What are you gonna feed? If you're just a hand, you have no mouth to eat with. It's great that you can pick things up, but but then what? What? To eat, you need a mouth, you need teeth, you need a tongue, you need a stomach. The list goes on and on. To be the best hand that you can be it's really not about you being a hand, it's about you being part of the body. John Piper um, tells a story about Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards. Ruby was 80 years old. She was a nurse who had been in um, serving the majority of her life in Cameroon. Um, as a nurse, building up the body by, by caring for others. And then while doing so, the intention was to, to continue to build up the body in love, by, by sharing the love of Jesus. Laura Edwards um, was a doctor in the Minneapolis area. And when she retired um, from, being a, from her practice, she went to Cameroon to work with Ruby. When Ruby was over 80 years old and Laura was just, just shy of 80, um, they were going from one village to another. They, they ran off, the brakes went out, they ran off the road, and they died instantly. And John, John Piper goes on to say some people think this is a tragedy because they were never able to enjoy the fruit of, of, of their work coming back and, and resting. No. They understood the purpose that Jesus has for all of us. And that is building up the body of Christ, both with those who know him and those who do not yet know him. Now, that doesn't mean that all of you need to go sign up and go um, to another country. But what it does mean is that every single one of us needs to examine our lives regularly and say, Lord, am I about building up the body of Christ or am I about building up the kingdom of Tim? Or insert your name. Jesus did not come so that you can have an easier life or be more successful. He came to make you a blessing to the whole body to the family of God. Jesus did not come so that you can bless yourself. He came so that you can be a blessing to others. Jesus did not come so that you can be in a better position to look out for yourself. He came so that you could give yourself away in self-sacrificing, self-denying, self-giving love. But let me circle back for a minute. That is completely counter- to all the subtle teachings and lies of this world. That is completely counter to the sinful nature that remains within us. It's not who we are anymore, but it still battles us. It's counter to us without the Holy Spirit working within us. But when we are believing Jesus, this begins to change our relationships. It begins to change how we view ourselves. It begins to change how we, how we go about things in our workplace. It begins to change the way we understand how God views us. We prepare you so that you will know Jesus through his word. Because Jesus will enable you to face this life. And because Jesus has a purpose for you in this life. As I was praying early this morning, um, I was just really convicted and said, Lord, I'm getting ready to teach this passage. But I can't do that before you show me where am I pursuing the kingdom of Tim. As we prepare to come to the Lord's table here in a few moments, I want you to ask this question. Where am I not believing that I need Jesus to hold my hand and that his purpose is right for me? I want you to ask that question, and as God reveals that to you, I'm just going to give you a few minutes of of just quiet. And as God reveals that to you, would you lay that before him? Would Would you just, in your prayer quietly, in your seat, tell him that? And then I'll bring us back together in just a moment. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you stand firm. And Lord that you hold our hand, the hand of those who Lord acknowledge um, acknowledge that we sin. That we are often about ourselves. That we have a hard time believing that you really will help us face this life. That we sometimes don't like the purpose you have for us. Lord, you're faithful. And you say, Lord, that as we confess those things through the work of Jesus who stands firm, Lord, that... You will forgive us. And so, in the name of Jesus, if you have confessed your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are forgiven in Him. Lord, we thank you for that forgiveness. We thank you that you hold us, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare further for the Lord's table, we've we've said, Lord, search our hearts. We've acknowledged those places um, within us before him. Let's stand together and proclaim goodness, the goodness of the truth that our Jesus, holding our hand, he, he will um, hold us fast. Will you stand together with me?
0: When I fear my faith will fail Christ will hold me fast When the tempter would prevail He will hold me fast I could never keep my home through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost, his promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me Satisfied, he will hold me fast. Raised with him to end this life, he will hold me fast till our faith is turned aside. When he comes, I me fast. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.